Remember this music? If not, you haven't listened to part one of this episode, or you haven't listened to it enough. This music needs to be locked and loaded in your brain before you move on to the next level. And most of the introductions and the people you hear in this episode, that all happens in part one. When you're ready, press fire to start. Okay, let's go. About how much time do you think you spent playing that game? Oh, God. Um, hundreds of hours. Because I, I remember it being ridiculously hard. <laughs> it, it, and, and the control scheme was a little wonky, too. Like, because there was only one button for the joystick for Commodore 64, the only way you could throw grenades was, like, to hit spacebar. So you had to have your timing down really, really tight to throw your grenades, you know, your limited number of grenades at the right opportunity and everything. And, and with, with an, enemies kind of like zooming across the screen, you had the ability to shoot on an angle, but you could only kind of shoot on an angle while you were moving. So it made everything so difficult. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Like I remember I'd, I'd sit through the demo screen where it would just be like the title of the, the game kind of floating over top of all the different levels is that kind of panned up the levels. And, and I remember thinking like, Oh God, I wish I could get to this spot. I wish I could get to that spot. <laughs> so I don't think I ever finished it even. Yeah. I don't know if I did either. Now that you mentioned grenades, I'm wondering if I even knew about that. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to go back and try again. It was just something really intense about it. I remember coming home from school, you know, and just it was really stressful, but you wanted to do it because you wanted to see if you could get any further on that thing. Oh, absolutely. And then, of course, the score uh, itself was it just got your blood pumping. So if you got further than, than you had, you know, in the previous gameplay or something like that, it was just like you know your adrenaline shot through the roof because you're like oh my god I'm, i've never seen this spot before and then you've got the the music pumping in the background and and everything after all when you were sweating through that game it was pretty stressful when you were 14 or 12 years old you know and because you couldn't restart with this with lives back i mean when you died it was over you had to start over from the beginning and so then there's this driving music again and you're you're back in battle again you're absolutely right i mean kids these days don't know they're born with their infinite restarts and, and whatnot um yeah, when I think back to some of the other games that I played back then, you know, I suppose when you were a kid, getting into gaming, it was so engrossing that the only thing that mattered was getting to the end of the level. And I remember at times, uh, 
I think R-Type was maybe one of the other games that was a bit like that, where, you know, you would get so far and then die, and you would ultimately get so frustrated with the game that you'd feel like, you know, picking up the machine and chucking it out the window. Yeah. <laughs> or you you finally get to the next level, and then your parents are like, Kenny, it's time for dinner! Like, no! <laughs> no, in a minute, Mom! I hope I've conveyed to you just how stressful this was, how amped up, how we basically overclocked our nervous system and were soldiers in an endless, throbbing battle every day after school, fighting till the end, until we died. And then we heard this. Everything was okay for a minute. We can rest. Listen to it. I think it's beautiful. Maybe you don't hear it yet, but you will. So this is the song that wriggled its way into my brain and never left. For me, this is the earworm. I know this thing by heart. And so I wanted to also ask you about the high score. Did you have any uh, relationship with that? Oh, yeah. Oh, I loved that track. Uh, Definitely a relationship with it. Not as intense as the um, as the main theme, but it it's like the perfect um, complement to it for sure. If you look this song up on YouTube, the comments say things like, "This song has haunted me for years." I asked Kenny McAlpine, "Why is it so good? How did it work its way so deeply into our brains?" This is related to um, a phenomenon called earworms. Um, And, you know, earworms really come down to three things. One is simplicity. One is repetition or exposure. Um, And the other one is something that musicologists would call incongruity. So, I mean, the simplicity thing is there almost by default. Um, because the, the structure is very simple, the melody is very simple, but it's very, very catchy. The repetition is there because you're particularly in the early stages when you're just getting your getting your trigger finger around uh, trigger finger around commando. You hear that high score tune over and over and over again. And then the incongruity thing. Well, you know that's down to the the fact that it it is pretty catchy. It, it's it's different from production music. In as much as it uses this limited, distinctive sound palette from the Commodore 64. So it sounds different from all of the other pop music that was happening in the 1980s. And so you've got those three factors coming together. At a time, you know, if you think back to the 1980s, most of the people who played that game would have been probably early teenage boys. Um, and so they're listening to that at a very, very formative time in their lives. And it's just then a 
combination of those factors that means that the music buries its way under your skin and stays there. I asked the composer Rob Hubbard if he'd intentionally made the song catchy, and did he even think it was catchy? Well, I, I don't know if it's, it's really, it's not for me to say really, is it? You know, I mean, it's just for other people to say. It's not for me to say. You know, I just write, I just wrote the tune. It's for other people to, you know, to say whether or not they think it's catchy or not. It's not for him to say. In other words, catchiness is in the ear of the listener. So it's for me to say. Mm, it's catchy. So let's get into it. Why is it so catchy? Kennedy mentioned one of the causes of earwormage is repetition or exposure. But this song's only a minute and a half long. Well, the high score doesn't need to be anywhere near as long as like the other tunes because all you do is basically input your high score. And it's, you know, my, my thought on high score was that you need something to try to relax you, calm you down a bit after all the, you know, other action that's been going on. Right. And it, it really, you know, needs to uh, be a bit more sedate. And it doesn't need to be like 10 minutes long because all people are doing is inputting their, in, their letters and their numbers. It didn't need to be long because all you were supposed to do was put in your name while it was playing. But some of us fell so head over heels in love with it, we found ways to make it longer. I remember just leaving it on when I got the high score. You know, I'd be excited just to yeah. have that song play. So I would just not put in my name yet and just let it run over and over. I I can I can beat you on that. I recorded it onto a cassette because we had cassettes back in those days. And I would just play it. like I had a 90-minute cassette and just nonstop playing it. Oh, my and gosh. And then I'd flip the cassette over and I'd play the other side as well. <laughs> I don't recall if I did that. I tried to re record the E.T. soundtrack because we had a phonograph, you know, because you couldn't record. Well, maybe you could record direct. Maybe you figured it out. But I just set the recorder next to the thing and hit record. And so if anything happened in my house, like if my sister walked by or something, you would hear it on the recording. <laughs> and... uh, yeah. I, yeah, I've worked out, um, I think, it was maybe a year or two afterwards, um, and I'd worked out how to solder together 3.5 mil uh, jacks, and, and I'd worked out a way of recording straight from the Commodore to, uh, yeah, to a cassette. Wow. So he'd thought to solder two one-eighth-inch cables together so that he could record the song directly from the Commodore 64 to a cassette tape and listen to the song as long as he wanted. That's Jason. He goes by Jaw, J-A-W, Jaw Mungie. Among other things, Jason, he's a great fingerstyle guitarist. And I tracked him down because he rearranged this high score music for guitar. And like me and Jeff and so many other people, he had fallen in love with this music. They say that, um, that the, the music that you're listening to when you're about 14, is that's, that's the sort of the music that lives with you for the rest of your life. And so this particular you know, game, um, Commando, and then the, um, the high score, I was 14 when I heard that. So 
I, I learned how to play just the melody on the guitar. You know, when I first heard it, I used to noodle with it for years and years and years. And then it was about maybe a year or two ago, I thought, why haven't I done um, a fingerstyle version of this? I could listen to that all day long, flipping a cassette over and over if need be. I asked Jason if he had any idea why we had latched on to this particular song. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how it came about. It's, um, it was such a, a simple song, but it's, it just has such a, like a deep sadness to it, but, but not just the sadness. It's sort of, yeah, it's hard to describe because it's, yeah, when you when you look at it and you break it down, it's it's actually fairly simple, but yeah, for some reason it just has like a like a real emotional um, feel to it. There is this mysterious introspective depth to this tiny little song, a sadness. I hope you can hear it. If not, I probably can't convince you it's there, but we can still talk about some of the inner workings of the song how and why it's so catchy. The Sid chip on the Commodore 64 has the three voices and, and Rob has arranged it. There's the, the, the bass line sort of walks from, uh, you go from an E to a D to an A and then a B and, it's, you know, sort of, and it repeats. So then there's um, the melody on top, but there's actually um, a... Uh, in the middle, there's uh, there's that it's sort of just and just goes um, the same notes the whole way through. And I tried to work that into the finger style arrangement, and I was sort of managing it, but it was just it was very confusing and complicated. So I ended up just um, using the the melody voice and the and the bass line, and it made it a reasonably simple uh, arrangement. Of course, and it's a very short song. It's hard to play. That middle voice on the guitar, it's hard to play three voices at once, and Jason's arrangement sounds beautiful without it. But I was surprised to hear when I spoke with Rob that the middle voice, which we're going to get into, was influenced or inspired by guitar. Yeah, I mean, it was an 80s vibe, you know. There was a whole lot of bands doing some kind of... um, certain kind of things like the police were doing certain things with you know guitar ostinatos and stuff you know the guitars would do stuff like this against the bass which would be moving I can't play the bass because I'm holding the phone but you know so I mean there was that that influence going on in the 80s and you know that would um, that would affect what you listen to when it would come out in some other ways, you know. He mentions guitar ostinato. And ostinato is essentially just a repeating pattern in music. It goes over and over. 
doesn't change. Kenny and I talked about the influence of the police and the ostinato, and he mentioned a good example of this is their song, Do 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 Da Da Da. So let's listen to that for a minute. thing going over and over that's what we're talking about when we say ostinato there were an awful lot of guitarists who were using that kind of approach rob's one is is really nice it just picks out the root and the dominant and the octave so it's not even a full major chord. It's just a bum, 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 bum kind of thing. And then you've got that beautiful floaty melody over the top. So here's the commando high score again. See if you can hear the ostinato. song and that repetition drives the song into your memory it's like a glue holding the whole thing together rob also mentioned the 80s vibe and jeff clement picked up on that too it almost feels like something from top gun or something it has a very 80s military movie kind of feel to it i love that track so much let's check on that here it is circa 1986 Top Gun Anthem. Gotta say, I'm feeling it. It's got that slow bass and the soaring melody just slowly unrolling over the top. You could sing these melodies. Well, I've kind of had a philosophy for a long time where... um, a big part of musical composition for me is is about being able to sing. Not that I'm a singer, but you know, you should be able to sing the melody so that the melody sounds reasonably natural, and that's the way you should write, and that's the way I think you end up with something that maybe does end up being a bit more memorable or a bit more catchy. I've sung this thing and whistled it for innumerable hours over the years, and it's very singable. You can hear that in this version. 
That's Visa Roster, a Danish a cappella group. So is this music stuck in your head yet? There's one more thing that no one mentioned and I just sort of noticed it and thought about it as I was putting this episode together. Listen to the end of the melody. It does this thing three or four times like this. And then on the very last one, it links back to the beginning. So the melody is a loop going around and around. Most songs have an end. This one doesn't. It's a circle. So if you're singing it or whistling it or thinking about it by yourself in your room or when you're riding your bike or reminiscing about it 20 years later it just keeps going and I hope it will Thank you Jeff Clement, thank you Kenny McAlpine, thank you Jason, Jaw, look up Jaw Munji, he's got all sorts of great stuff for fingerstyle guitar on his website. Thank you Rob Hubbard for making all this possible in so many ways. If you're a supporter of this podcast, thank you. If you want to support the podcast, you can do that on patreon.com slash no reason to exist. Thanks, everybody. No reason to exist